Hello and welcome to Cinema Double Takes, podcast where two movies are paired together in unexpected ways to make some head-turning double features. I'm Ryan. I'm Hunter. And uh, get ready for a very lonely Christmas uh, with uh, two very different films involving sort of loneliness. One is walking the, the streets of New York at night alone and then horny and uh, the, uh, the other <laughs> Depraved. one... Yeah, and the other one is uh, a, a child being forgotten about by his family. So, a, a gag joke of a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so both both movies are dealing with different types of of lonely. One that's a little more introspective, and one that's just just directly physically alone. Um, but yeah, we will be talking about Eyes Wide Shut and Home Alone. And I think I'll just jump right into it. Uh, we'll get into it with uh, Home Alone to start. Uh, Home Alone, uh, released in 1990, directed by Chris Columbus, which I didn't realize he was the director, but the guy who directed the first couple Harry Potter movies. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened to him because his career kind of tanked, um, following Harry Potter. Um, but made like a handful of like family classics. This is a movie about Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin, in, uh, like, Probably his most famous role. Yeah, it could have to be. But Kevin McAllister is one could say sort of a bratty kid, but really he's just like a neglected child um, who uh, is in a family that is just overcrowded at the moment with a bunch of cousins that are going to be taking a flight to Paris. Power goes out. They wake up in a hurry. They run out. Forget that they left Kevin to rot in the attic. Um, Kevin wakes up late, realizes that uh, his whole family's gone, and he's uh, he's home alone. And while he's home alone, he uh, tries to embrace it as a as a good thing. Um, until Joe Pesci and uh, and his goon, which I remember the actor's name, but yeah, no. the Wet Bandits, the Wet Bandits, they uh, they show up as they've been scoping out homes for people who are going to be on vacation during the holidays with the intent to to rob them. Uh, to burgle and uh, you watch Kevin like scope out <laughs> where these uh, where these burglars are gonna show up and just wreak havoc on them he's gonna protect his house at all costs then you also have the story of uh, his mother who is frantically trying to get home and riding in in a big truck with John Candy it, it, it's a Christmas classic everyone knows the plot of this movie um, as I found out recently, it's actually like the most financially successful Christmas movie of all time, um, like box office wise. Really? Yeah. So e- everyone knows the plot of this which, movie, which is kind of crazy because at least uh, I I'd watched something on Netflix like mm-hmm. forever ago about the fact that this movie almost didn't get made. Oh, really? Yeah. Like it had like a lot of troubles actually finding like a studio to take it on. So interesting. Like, somebody said yes to it. And then they declined to give them like the budget that was needed to make it. That's wild. And they got passed on to another studio, and finally was allotted the budget, which is crazy because yeah. it's made because it's Buko it, box. It was the, the biggest box office Christmas movie success. Yeah, well, yeah, which is wild. I, uh, I'm curious, kind of what your past experiences with this movie. You know, if it was like a a family favorite for you or not? Because for me, like. 
This may be the second time ever I've watched. Really? This. Like, like maybe third. Like, I, I, I didn't really grow up watching Home Alone. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I never really watched like a lot of Christmas movies. Yeah. Like, Christmas movies that would come on were basically like a Christmas Story on TBS because they'd be running yeah. it all day. But like, yeah. Other than that, I wasn't really watching them. But I have seen this a couple of times. It's kind of like impossible not to. Yeah. Um. I think holiday movies is like a total like usually are kind of bad. Like they certainly can like be. There's on, a lot of bad ones. Like obviously we watch like planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, that's more than just like a Thanksgiving like movie. Yeah, but like at the same time, at the root of it, it is a holiday cash grab. It's yeah. made so that every year people can return to it. Yeah, everyone wants to achieve a Christmas story. Like yeah, that's a studio's idea to make so much money. Yeah, at least this one has a lot of like fun to it i would say yeah there's definitely like a just like a, a light-hearted charm to this i for me like yeah holiday movie wise like a christmas story seen countless times just same reason as you it, it played on tv yeah like like marathon like like all day channels, like day. tbs abc family they just like marathon that movie for like the whole month of december yeah so like i'd seen that movie countless times my family's like go to was always Christmas Vacation. Okay, um, like like that was also the one. Another classic. Like Christmas Vacation was the one that like I, I've hands down seen the most, and like it's still like a a holiday favorite. Of yeah, mine. it still sticks out. Um, but yeah, Home Alone never really was, and uh, it's interesting because even on a rewatch, it's like I liked it less than I remembered. Um, it, it's it's cute, I, you know. I I think it's completely inoffensive. But yet, like, it doesn't do anything that's that spectacular. I don't find any of the jokes that funny. Like, it's not, like, insanely unfunny. It's just, like, it's it's fine. I, I guess the thing about it is, like, watching it again as I get older, it's, like, they repeat the same bits so many times throughout yeah. the film that, like, the joke that might have been funny once before... <laughs> It kind of dries out by the second time that they've done it. Yeah, like like the aftershave. Yeah, um, the aftershave or like the the playing of like you filthy animal. It's done so many times throughout the film that it's like yeah, it's a classic because I've heard it so many times. Yeah, but that's also like taking away from it for me. Yeah, because like yeah, that that joke, in like each time they repeat it, it makes less sense. Yeah, because like okay, the aftershave. He didn't know. You know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that's where it's like you know, the iconic slap the face and scream, and he had no idea that it was gonna sting. You know, it's just, you know it's strong, um, but the second time he does know. So like, what? Why, why do you do it again? Yeah, <laughs> Other I mean, than the, just, it's like they're just like running out of bits to do. Yeah, I, this movie is really, I, I think, only made for the last like twenty minutes. Yeah, like you know, because it's like the thing that like people most really remember is of course the the whole fight against the hijinks the with the robbers like yeah. that's that's what you watch the movie for yeah. and getting to that point takes a long time it's not like this is a long movie but like but it, it is, is like long. it is too long yeah. for what it is i thought about that too because like it's like it's an hour and 43 minutes like so you know if you want to bump you know round up to like an hour 45 you could have easily shaved at least 15 minutes off of this like like why this wasn't just like a, a you know a lean 90 minutes yeah it doesn't make much sense to me not really it you know and, and it, it treads like yeah either familiar ground or 
it repeats bits because yeah you have the the aftershave or uh, as you mentioned the filthy animal I, I think that it's the funniest scene in the movie to me personally is what when the pizza guy yeah that's there. the best time like, for that like like that joke works and i and i think that like just you know the the absurdity of the dialogue that he's hearing and you know that they keep the change you filthy animal as he like basically gave him like like a dollar well, it, it was like not even that because it was like eleven fifty. You know, you give him like a fifty cent fifty cent tip, tip basically. You, you call know, him like, a cheapskate. Yeah, you know, keep the change. You feel the like that's funny, but then when like the wet bandits like are listening in, yeah, and they're hearing it, like it doesn't make any sense. Like, like, like I remember thinking like the dialogue, like that just sounds like a movie. Yeah, because you know, he's just playing the movie scene, so like it doesn't sound, you know, like to be like oh these guys are having this fight and there's a whole shootout like. Besides, like, the, you know, I guess, like, the firecrackers that go off. But it's still, like, it, it doesn't logically work as well as, like, him tinkering with it to uh, to trick the... Uh, the pizza delivery guy. The pizza delivery guy, guy to think it's like, to an adult. It's brilliant when he does it to the pizza delivery yeah. guy. And then when he does it to the, the robber, it's kind of just, like... All right. Well, I've already like seen. Is, I saw this exact scene because it, it's it's a play it, by play of the exact thing. Like yeah. he hears the shooting, yep. falls into the trash can, and then runs away. Gets into his vehicle. It's it's a like a one to one shot almost, and I'm fine with that. Whatever. But I'm yep. saying like that's one of those bits that could have been like, if you're not gonna take it out of the movie, yeah. at least change it a little bit so that me as the viewer is not seeing recycled content. Yeah, it's the same joke, and it, and it just. It feels like a stretch. Like, it just yeah. feels like you're really kind of stretching this. The, the same thing kind of happens with, like, the old man who, like, you know is not a murderer. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, just... And it feels... It just... It feels very played. Like, like, like just... At least with him, it is different every time that he appears. Yeah. And there is, like... I think that without the old man the tone of the movie is completely different because yeah. like later on in the film, he adds some seriousness to this movie that I would otherwise not have. The, the old man is the emotional heart of yeah. this movie. Like the yeah. biggest emotional payoff comes in the form of the old man. Yeah. It's not even to me, this movie doesn't do a lot with Kevin McAllister's like reunion with his parents no. at the end. It's more so Kevin McAllister walking out to see the old man reuniting with his son yeah, like, and hugging biggest... his granddaughter. You're like, Oh, that's awesome. That's the biggest emotional payoff, for sure. Like, but that's also just kind of an issue, I feel like, with, like, Kevin McCoster's, like, he doesn't really have an arc. Like, yeah. Like, like, there's not really, you know, he doesn't learn some valuable lesson. That's, it's, like, a really hard one for me to, like, say I dislike this movie because it's non-offensive and does nothing to me. Well, yeah, like, I don't dislike it either. It's just, re-watching it. I just, like, was thinking, like, yeah, like, you know, I remember thinking, like, oh, that's it's a really fun, cute movie. And then, like, I'm like, it's a cute movie. <laughs> like, that's sort of, like, kind of yeah. where I left it, where, like, you know, I, I didn't think it's, like, bad. One thing that shocked me, because, like, I just, I didn't have the recollection of how many times he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. Like, like that was something where I'm like, oh, shit, like, that happens a lot in this. Um, and, and, like, so John Hughes wrote this. John Hughes, you get Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's the definitely uh, a thing where it felt like they were trying to make Ferris Bueller's Day Off for little kids. Yeah. Essentially, where it's like, let's do Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but with uh, with an eight-year-old. Um, it's like, 
And it's probably good. It's probably great for eight-year-olds. Yeah. Know? Like, and, and I don't think it's offensive in terms of like, and when I say offensive, I mean that like it just, I don't feel like it's insulting your intelligence. You know, I don't feel like it's like it's made for eight-year-olds and we're going to play it completely stupid. Yeah. You know, like I, I just think that like, feels like it's a movie for young kids. And like, I can see why like, if you were really young and you saw it, and, like, you know, it was just, like, a really good time as a kid. How it would hold up and just become, like, a holiday favorite that you'd regularly watch. I probably didn't see this. I, I probably saw Home Alone, like, for the first time when I was, like, like 12, if not older. Like, like I wasn't, like, in the prime age range, I feel like. Yeah, I like, like, I do think that this would help if you watch this as a, a very young child. Yeah. But at the same point in time, it's, like... I don't know, at least for me, as far as, like, holiday films go, like, yeah. I, I know I watched, the like, A Christmas Story a ton as a child. Yeah. And, like, even that one, if I have to watch it again, yeah, it's, like, I've seen it so much yeah. that, like, it's basically background, background noise to me, right? Yeah. Like, people, oh, yeah. people love that movie and they love mm-hmm. watching it over again or, like, yeah. you know, like, the Christmas Vacation. I get yeah. it. Like, Chevy Chase has some good jokes. I get that there's some good bits. Yeah. But, like, these movies to me are, like, background filler at this point. I can see that. Like, you know, you've seen them a ton of times, and oftentimes they are just playing in the background during holiday things. I will say that the difference to me is that, like, because even Home Alone, I think, can fall into that category for many people. It's like, they've seen it countless times. It's on in the background because it's a holiday favorite. But it's the effect of when you actually sit down and watch it. And I feel like what I noticed is when I actually sat down and watched Home Alone... It's like, yeah, like, I, I'm not really that invested in Like, this. it gets kind of boring at points. And yeah. I, it's not even like it's bad. It's just that I'm like, I, I guess let me put it this way. I just watched a movie made by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then I watched this back because I was like, I didn't, I had never seen that movie. So I was like, maybe this will be a good pick me up <laughs> after this one if it was yeah. like really weird. Mm-hmm. And so after seeing something that's serious in tone yeah. and has a good direction or like a, a, a good idea story-wise to this one where it's kind of like, hey, let's take everything that could happen and make it actually happen. So like, mm-hmm. first of all, the parents have to forget Kevin McAllister. So what we're going to yeah. do is we're going to make him go to the attic because he got in trouble. Yeah. Then we're going to have the power lines go out and... The alarms are going to go off, and then the people coming to pick us up are going to come pick us up, and we're going to be like running yeah. out of the house really late. And then on top of that, the phone lines don't work for like the next couple of days, so the parents can't reach yeah. Kevin McAllister. And it's like, it's not like it's like hurting me to like think about these things happening. Yeah, but it's kind of like the phone lines felt like a big stretch to me. Yeah, that's like, like I was another kind of thing. Sitting there thinking like. These would have been fixed relatively fast. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, even if it was, like, later in the day, but, like, just, it didn't seem, it seemed like a thing where it's, like, okay, it feels a little convenient that, like, over the next, like, just week, apparently, they're just expecting the phone lines to be out. Like, I feel like I would just be calling the phone nonstop yeah. until hopefully it starts to ring. You know, you know, like, because that was, like, the thing where I'm thinking, like, why, like, you know, like, okay, the phone lines are down, the phone lines are down, but, like... Why wouldn't you, like, be regularly checking to see if it's back up? Like, yeah. just assuming, like, yep, yeah, no, they're probably just still down. <laughs> like, like, I why? mean, like, there's a there's a lot of this movie that's just, like, hard for me to take seriously. Yeah. Um, like, when when his mom is contacting the police to go and check yeah. on her children. Or ch- ch- check on Kevin. I get that, like, she's not presenting it in a way that a cop would, like, 
maybe believe it, right? But if you're a parent that's like freaking out about their kid, I don't think you just keep saying, can you go and check on my child? Yeah. You presented it in like a way of, hey, maybe CPS needs to come here because I forgot my child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like just, I know. Because like the way that whole scene played out, well, and how like, unseriously the cops were taking it like yeah it was like okay like like it's it's kind of silly but also like and that's really that's why you can forgive the film is because with the hijinks and the gags and everything about it i'm not sitting here taking this seriously but it's just like yeah but i think about even like the way the cop like behaved when he went to check on the house where it's like you know why not say hey kevin your mom sent me yeah, you know, like, 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 but instead, just knock on the door and then no one's home. It's just, just bullshit. Like, yeah, maybe like, hey, Kevin, like, you know, we we heard that you are alone. This is the police. Your mom called us to to come get you to you know to, to yeah you know make sure you're safe. Like, say who you are. State why you're there. Yeah, because like, yeah, it just you know. Oh no, no one's answering. It's just. It's, dumb it, like okay it's just a perfect set of circumstances to make it work i guess like yeah at, as far as like when i think of this movie before we had done a rewatch yeah i think of joe pesci and that's like yeah. the main person i want to talk about the most is like yeah i love joe pesci and most of the things that he's in yeah but like him just being a bumbling idiot robert that's like yeah got a fake gold tooth uh-huh. and thinks he's the most clever person on the planet I love it. Like yeah. I, I love his character. Yeah. I, I love every every scene that he's in is like the highlight of the movie. Well, to and me. it's because he's so synonymous with playing like monsters, basically. Yeah. Like you know, he's playing like the most evil gangster in like every Scorsese movie. Yep. So like you know, to see him in like a family film where like he's still <laughs> playing the villain, but like he's being so goofy, it's really charming to see. Yeah. Like I agree. Like Joe Pesci, like is is like a huge highlight of this movie. It's uh, very much like uh, what's the one where he's like, uh, is it my cousin Vinny? Yeah, it's yeah. it's very much like that character just transplanted into this movie. Yeah, and I love it. Like it's a lot of fun. Yeah, like seeing Joe Pesci in a role that's like, yeah, more silly is fun because yeah, like he can be so sinister, like like he can be so good at playing like yeah, just these really awful characters and like he's ter- he's still playing a villain in this, yeah. but yet like. It's a goofy villain, and you're you know you're watching him just constantly fall on his ass, you know, get his hair burn, burn his off. hand. Yeah, yeah, like just watching it happen is is yeah, it's fun. Joe Pesci really hams it up. Um, both of the wet bandits do. They're they're both yeah. so goofy. Um, of course, like you know, it, it's not even like it's not even like interesting conversation to say that like those guys should have been dead. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, like the, the complete like amount of head trauma that they <laughs> should have like endured right from the get go. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they just they'd be dead. Like, like like they or the very least like Concussed. comatose. Yeah. yeah like like, like they're down out. for the count. Like they should not be moving. Yeah, like there's no reason for these guys to to still be like moving around. Like you know, like they they don't have like heads of steel. Yeah. You know, they're not like the guy in Drunken Master. Um, <laughs> like Yeah, but but like it, again, it's all like kind of this a hyper real like it's not realistic it's trying to be goofy it's like a cartoon world basically yeah no it's 100 percent cartoon world but yeah. like i don't know just i'm very happy that joe pesci was in this one yeah i'm very happy that there's like a a cameo of john candy where like yeah 
I mean, he's not in a lot of it, but like the scenes that he is John in are Candy's, super funny. Yeah, and John Candy's just lovable. Yeah, you know, just when he's on screen, he's always he's always just like so so charismatic. Like you it, just really love it, seeing. It's him. like he's talking. He's trying to like cheer her up, and he's like, he's like, you know, I've left my kid at a funeral home yeah. one time for the entire day. When I came back, he uh-huh. was fine. He didn't talk for like you know six, six weeks. weeks, but you know, you know he. They're they bounce, they're resilient. They're bounced back. Yeah, and she's just like looking at him like this is not this, this is, is not healthy. Like yeah, and it's just the the like the deadpan way he says it. Yeah, it is the like maybe one of the funniest parts of this movie to me. Yeah, yeah. No, that scene was really funny. Um, I do want to go back to kind of the point we we're making about other Christmas films and and something that I was kind of going to highlight is that you know that like you know the experience of actually sitting down and watching this, but like compared to like the experience of actually sitting down and watching a Christmas story or um, Christmas Vacation is I think the mo- the thing that this movie is missing for me that those two movies have is relatability yeah you know, it's like like I think a Christmas story even like cross-culturally there's certain things about like experiencing disappointment as a child around the holidays or dealing with a bully or or having like you know a you know a parent get mad at you like there are things that a Christmas story is kind of putting in there that is relatable. Christmas Vacation has a lot of relatability in terms of having family come over and invade your house for the holidays and the kind of things that you got to put up with and the way it can kind of cause you to fall apart or expecting Christmas bonuses. Like, like there's just things that are dealing with realistic things that can happen. And even they they can be heightened. They can get to unrealistic Mm -hmm. levels. But there is a relatability to the core narrative and the core, like situations they find themselves in well like there's nothing relatable about yeah i mean like one of the biggest elements of this movie is how rich they are yeah which is like such a hard sell already because it's like there's literally a point in the movie where she's trying to like pay for somebody's flight and the woman's like is that a rolex and she's like well, do you believe it is a Rolex? Like, no one can tell the difference. Yeah, like, no, that's a Rolex. <laughs> like, you guys yeah. you guys are pretty well off. You guys got the biggest house in the block, basically. Yeah, yeah, because, like, I took note of, like, they have a big-ass house. They like, have a huge house. That house is big. And, like, it, you know, I, I can't remember where, what state they live in, but it's, like, you know, northeast. Yeah. Which... Chi- I think they said Chicago. Chicago, okay. Yeah. So more, like, kind of Midwest. But yeah. still, like, a house like that in Chicago... Like that can't be that, that cheap. That ain't cheap. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like just like yeah, like they're they're very well to do. Um, so you have that already. But then like just even the the actual scenarios, it's like I hope no one has experienced anything yeah. that's happening in this movie. Um, like you know, Christmas Story, like really wanting a toy or a BB gun, you know, that like your parents are kind of telling you that like you can't have, or getting yeah like just a a bad gift from a from an ant that you just have to put up with and say that you like it. Yeah. You know, like, like there's so many things in that that are relatable or especially yeah. to Christmas. This, this movie is a Christmas movie, but only when it wants to be. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, that's another reason why I somewhat like it a little more, but yeah. also like it less than other Christmas movies because it's like, the whole point of watching a Christmas movie yeah. is to watch it around Christmas, and that's the specific trope of that movie, yeah. to have relatability with your family around the holiday. 
This movie is based around Christmas, Mm -hmm. but there's not much talk about Christmas. Maybe there's a brief, there's a brief showing of a Christmas tree. There's a brief showing of a church with you know Mary outside and you know Jesus. There's there's elements of Christmas or like you know him talking to Santa himself, but that's about it. Christmas related. Mm -hmm. It's just the the basis to make the movie work. Yeah, the rest of it is just. Kevin McAllister having hijinks. Yeah, because it really doesn't need to take place around Christmas. It doesn't. Um, it, it's it, it's just kind of a framing device. Um, but like, I, it's funny because I had a conversation with uh, some people at work not too long ago talking about how like, you know, because like I call this out in other uh, like movies that we've talked about, but like just sort of that like any movie that features Christmas can be a Christmas movie yeah. you know like, like, cause that's kind of how it's turned into and we'll get into that with our next movie yeah but like you know like, like thinking like okay yeah like like Christmas is, is, is factored into the the timeline of this movie it it, it's like it die, die Hard is a Christmas movie to people yeah because it takes place because it takes place Christmas. around Christmas yeah yeah it's like you know because some people like it's not a Christmas movie or like even Bruce Willis apparently has been quoted as like it's not a Christmas movie it's yeah. like well you know, like like the the thing that ha- like people have sort of made synonymous with Christmas now is that a Christmas movie is a movie that takes place around or has Christmas happen in the movie. Like if Christmas yeah. happens in the movie, it's a Christmas movie. Um, which like can say that we're sort of taking it into an extreme when we talk about our next movie. But like that's I mean, you're kind of the fun of it though. Like, you're you're making the lines pretty loose. It's kind of like when we're picking episodes for the podcast yeah. to make things work. It's like, but yet, like if you're if people are willing to call Die Hard a Christmas movie, it could have taken place at any time of the yeah. Movie. Like it really could have. It doesn't know, like, change the movie at it all. It has become a Christmas classic because it takes place around the season, around the holiday. But like to say that it is a Christmas movie. The only thing that they're pulling from is that it takes place around the holiday. Like, it, it's not actually, like, a movie that is about Christmas. Yeah, and that's know? this movie as a whole. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we'll get into, like, Eyes Wide Shut, you know, with how, like, you know, the, the Christmas element of that. But, like, this movie, unlike something like A Christmas Story, A Christmas Vacation, even outside of, like, yeah, the, like those movies are more about the holiday. Yeah. But I still think situationally the, the comedic elements and the comedic things that tie that narrative together are things that are relatable even if they're taken to a comedic extreme yeah. they're they're relatable in a way that like home alone does isn't and then i i wasn't raised on it so i just kind of have this sense of like you know it's it's a cute little family holiday movie. yeah i do think i do think holiday movies do need a certain basis of nostalgia yeah yeah they, they do there are some that like you know it's a damn good one if like you can see it for the first time as an adult, or at least you know, even like as yeah. a teenager, it'd be a big fan of it and have it carry on. Like, cause that was like something like a, a rare exports for me. I think I saw rare exports when I was like fifteen, which is a Finnish like Christmas horror hmm. movie. Horror. It's hard to describe it as a horror movie, but it's sort of like if Guillermo del Toro made a Christmas movie, it would be rare exports. Okay, and it rules. And I and I watch it semi-regularly like like maybe every other christmas it's it's on if not more often than that like rare exports kicks ass um but like you know it, don't even have nostalgia goggles for that one that one was just one that like discovered and it's like it's awesome like shirts you could say it's a little more adult oriented but i think that like 
you know, like like if you're a pretty hip parent, you know, yeah, you might be able that, to like, loosen the yeah, like the guidelines. Seeing a huge mob of n- naked Santa Clauses run- running out of like the woods is pretty out there, but it's also not like playing it up in a way that's trying to like laugh at the nudity. It's like it's it's very European. It's like you know, yeah, some like some weird naked old men, but it's not really trying to like embellish the nudity. Um, you know, I highlight that just because it's. You'd think like from that description that it's a movie that like oh no you would never show a kid this. But yeah. I think a ten year old could handle rare exports, um, but you know you just you know you've seen something really damn good if it doesn't need nostalgia. I feel like something like a a Christmas Vacation or a Christmas Story. I think like technically if you were an adult and had never seen them. Like, I got, like, my wife is a perfect example. Like, really watched both of those for the first time, like, like, th- like four years ago. And, like, she thinks they're great, you know, but it's just... Yeah, I mean, like, those... I mean, like, here's the thing is, like, I think there's another point to say, like, nostalgia boosts and then also, like, can take away. Because I've seen Christmas Story so many times. Yeah. And maybe if I've watched it less over the years, I wouldn't have this, like, skewed sense of, like, yeah. I don't want to fucking watch that this year. Yeah. But, like... Christmas Vacation, I haven't seen that in, like, forever. So, like, yeah. me watching that again would not be the worst in the world. Yeah. I guess the only thing that, like, dampens that movie is Chevy Chase. But, like, yeah, that's just that? because of who he is as a person now yeah. rather than... Yeah, Chevy Chase in his prime, just as an actor, he was He funny. did kill it, yeah. Yeah, he was funny. I mean, yeah, like, he, I even like Fletch and stuff like that. Yeah, so like, I don't he, know. he is a dick, though. Yeah, I think... I feel like I've said as much as I can say about this movie. Yeah, I don't I don't have very much more to say about uh, this. Other than I did want to mention there's uh, one scene in this movie where, like, it's definitely a moment of, like, fuck no. It's like the, uh, the tarantula scene. Oh, yeah. Like, when the tarantula falls on the second robber, I feel bad that I haven't said his actual name. But I know. Uh, when, it, when it lands on his face, like, that's a moment that would ruin the rest of my life. <laughs> tarantula dropped on your face, yeah. I know his reaction is great during yeah. that too. Like, like his like scream is perfect, and then him like just basically beating Joe Pesci after it falls on him. Yeah, this it's funny. It's good slapstick. This movie feels like the best movie to watch if you're just watching the last twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, because like that's definitely like the element that everyone remembers and yeah. talks about. Um, six out of ten. Like, yeah, I mean that was what I was gonna give it to. Yeah, six out of ten. Like, I, like I just I feel like in my memory it was a seven. And then, like, rewatch it, I'm like, no, no, this is a six. <laughs> like, like it just it didn't hold the same level of, like, enjoyment that I yeah. recalled from when I saw it when I was, like, probably, like, 12. Um, so, I mean, it had been a long time. <laughs> I mean, so. it, listen, I don't have to recommend you to see it because, like, You've 99.9% it. <laughs> yeah. of people have seen this movie. Like, so, like, like, yeah. You had to have let like lived under a rock for. I don't know, like like if, if you have the nineties to miss this one. And if you have been living under a rock and you haven't seen it, I you're not missing much. Yeah, I don't think you're like missing like anything that crazy. I think there's other better Christmas movies yeah. out there. You know, if you're looking for something really out there, check out Rare Exports. If you're looking for things more relatable, A Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation. But like you've already seen those too. Well, yeah, you've already <laughs> seen those too. But I mean, if you again, yeah, you're living yeah, under yeah. a rock, so. <laughs> Yeah, but Home Alone, it's fine. It's cute. Um, and with that, let's uh, move on to something that I, I wouldn't classify as cute. Or fun. <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> fun. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into uh, Eyes Wide Shut. It is a movie that was made in 1999. 
by the uh, late Stanley Kubrick. It was his last film. I guess he he died of like a heart attack right after the production, right? It was like four days after he submitted the final cut of the movie. Yeah, that's wild. He he yeah. said it was like at least from what I read, he said it was his best film mm. ever made. Like it was like the best one that he's done. Like his magnum. Yeah, his magnum opus. Magnum opus. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it stars Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Uh, definitely more Tom Cruise, but yeah. Um. He's a doctor, and him and his wife are having a little bit of a relationship issues. She yep. kind of tells him that she is having some thoughts about other men, yep. and specifically about a naval officer yep. about a year ago that she passionately thought about and even considered leaving him for, even if it was just a figment of her like mind. A fling. Like yeah. a fling in her mind. Um, it was enough to kind of rock uh, mm-hmm. Bill's world, Tom Cruise's character. And he goes on a wild night of sexual adventures that yep. don't really lead to much, but no. um, do change a lot of his views on on sexual desires. Yep. And uh, it gets pretty wild. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's very dreamy. Yeah. Very surrealistic. I am I'm curious what your thoughts are because I know like you kind of knew this a little bit going in, but this movie isn't like isn't Kubrick's most beloved movie yeah. by any means. Like, if anything, it's, like, arguably, like, his most mixed received. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, the films he's done. Um, very curious, kind of, what your expectations were. I mean, so, like, and I... kind of where you ended up landing on this movie. I think it only had, like, a 70, like, 6% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is low for Kubrick. Which is pretty low for Kubrick. So yeah. I was like, okay, where where am I going to be feeling on this one? Mm-hmm. Uh, opening shot, Nicole Kidman's ass. So like right away, you're like, bump, this starts is... bumping it up a little bit, yeah. starts boozing those numbers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I will say no, like uh, all jokes aside, it I liked it actually like quite a lot. Okay. Uh, I will say it is a little slow. Okay. And there are some issues, at least with my thoughts on like Tom Cruise's character and what mm-hmm. his decisions are, like how quickly he imposes doing certain things yeah but like technically i thought it was really great like yeah. the, the score of this movie with like subtle chords it is so so minimalist yeah but like it's like practically almost like not even music like it's yeah. just like, it's like a singular piano key just being spammed there, there's something but it i loved about it, it yeah works. it just it like, works really well it, it makes it so much more suspenseful and like adds yeah. to the mystery of everything um like I like this movie way more than Home Alone, obviously, but, yeah. like, it was a really interesting one. I'm not usually, like, this into a Kubrick movie. Yeah. And I felt like both of them were on their A-game. Like, Nicole Kidman, Tom Cruise were both, like, yeah. killing it. Well, because, like, the, the background, too, of, like, their experience with this movie, because, like, it, it was, uh, it was, like, they were married at they're the time. They're married, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're yeah. married at the time. And this movie still holds the record for the, the longest continuous film shoot. So, really? like, they signed a contract with, with Kubrick that was, like, they will not be in another movie until this one is done. Like, they will not act until, like, they like they know that this one is over. And they shot every day for 400 days. So 400 days? Yeah. Like, like just, like, the, like, I heard the experience of, like, filming and, like, you know, making this movie was exhausting. Because it was, it was, like, a 400-day shoot. Um, so... It's wild, like uh, like he was a perfectionist. Um, 
I I fucking love this movie. Yeah, it's like, it's it's really good. I I adore this movie. It, it's a uh, I have not seen a ton of Kubrick. I will say that it's like a fault of mine as like a movie lover because I feel like every movie lover is like like oh you have you have you seen every Kubrick movie? Like no, I haven't. Um, but of the ones I've seen, this is hands down my favorite. Um, like this this movie is just awesome to me. I, I think like it probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to you if you you know as you're kind of yeah. aware of my taste in movies. It's very surreal. It's very dreamlike. Um, even you know like dabbles in horror a little bit. Like that orgy yeah. scene is creepy. Like like, yeah. like, like it's a really kind of unnerving sequence. Um, but yeah, I just love this sort of like down the rabbit hole kind of narrative where it's Tom Cruise who's rattled from Nicole Kidman who is just you know goes out on the town and, and it starts with like getting a call um, from a from a woman who's like you know the, the daughter of a patient of his who died and it just everything spirals from there is like this sort of like just being hit by like sexual like like um like just tension and uh, every desire, every carnal thought that you could have. Yeah, like sexual desires and thoughts and, and temptations is the word I was yeah. looking for. Like a, like temptations just hitting him one moment after another, and in in various different scenarios. Like so, like you know the the grieving woman who's like, "I love you, doctor." And he's yeah. Like, the only time we've ever spoken was like just of your dying father, of your sick dad. Like like you don't love me. Like you're grieving. Um, but like he's getting some, there's temptation there like just that like ready for a fling and here's this vulnerable woman who's throwing herself at him and, and he leaves and meets a prostitute and, and, and you know and he nearly goes through with that that's like the closest he goes to actually like like the furthest cheating he goes on her the entire movie with cheating because like the other scenarios he either combats it or it's just so weird the, the whole scene in the uh, the costume the costume is a fever dream, dude. It's it's a fever dream, and it's hilarious. Yeah, it, it's like this, like just this bizarro world SNL skit, like yeah, a, a, like it, essentially because it's in the middle of the night. You got these weird, yeah, like just the, this weird dude who has taken the the ownership of this this store from a previous patient of his, and they go into the store, and the store is like underground. Yeah. And uh, his daughter's in the back having, like, a really weird, kinky three-way with these two Asian businessmen. Yeah, the you, you come to find out, like, he, they present it like, you know, they're not supposed to be in there and that these men are, like, uh-huh. doing something fucked up. And, like, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm going to call the police. And then, like, later in the film, you're kind of like... Oh, she was like he was like pimping his daughter out in a way, or like, or they they eventually they, came to that conclusion. They were like, yeah. you know what? Well, I guess if you want to pay for it, yeah, then, uh, then sure. But like at yeah. first, it was like, oh, my whore daughter, and then he's like, well, I mean, if you want to be a whore, I guess I'll take the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might as well like, it, be involved in it. It really does a good job of just like dipping you into every pathway after after Nicole Kidman explains her desires. Like it's yeah. like it's like the setup for this movie is why I was so in love with it. Uh-huh. Like from the start, it's like. It it brought me in so quickly because yeah. like the presentation of Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise going to this like dinner party yeah and you know kind of seemingly being not fully invested in one another or at least you feel that like Tom mm-hmm. Cruise is yeah. oblivious to it 
um, to have yeah. Nicole Kidman dance with this this man and him flirting with her so intensely. Yeah. And then Tom Cruise is like met with these women that are just like throwing themselves just throwing at themselves at him, and it's like. Yeah. You just see the dynamic between these two, and Tom Cruise yeah. doesn't really see or think about it at all because yeah. he's in love with his wife. At least that's the the presentation that it wants you to believe. Is like mm-hmm. he's so in love with her, why would he cheat? He doesn't need any other woman. Yeah, and then it's like straight from them going home to fucking. You see that mirror scene of Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman looking at the mirror. You just like, oh fuck. No, she's not into this. She's yeah. not into him as much as like I maybe you had once thought. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know, I, I think this movie just being this, like, analysis of, of sexuality and relationships, and, and I think, like, it's a very mature film about sex, too, like, you know, and it's presented in a very surreal, down-the-rabbit-hole way, but, you know, like, this is, like, one of those examples of, like, a movie that is legitimately for adults, and not just because of the, like... The nudity. The nudity and things like that, it's that, like thematically the themes it's talking about it's talking about being married being in a long standing relationship you know the sexuality like it's it's looking at these things and analyzing them in a way that's supposed to like actually have you sit and think about it beyond just like oh it's this erotic thriller and because and, it was really interesting after watching this again I, I went on like IMDB and I saw like someone who wrote a review back in 1999 and uh the thing that they kind of, like, stated was, like, about how, like, the marketing was wrong. And, and, like, I went back and, like, watched, like, the trailer. And the trailer does totally try to, like, sell this as, like, this, like, super sexy like erotic, erotic thriller. Film. Where, like, there ha- like there's an affair that goes down. And because it, like, shows a snapshot of, like, Tom Cruise in the morgue. And, and so, like, like, someone dies. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, like... That's not what this film is. It, like th- this film could very easily have been like a revenge film. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like that in any way. Like it very much feels like Tom Cruise is trying to discover what his wife was feeling. Yeah, yeah, trying to understand it, trying to trying to cope with everything that's hit him within the last like Yeah, seeing if like yeah, like like does he want to like feel those things or you know or you know, like, even, like, the fact that she had the thoughts, like, you know, like, that she was unfaithful, even, yeah. like, when, like, the action never took place. Um, and him feeling like, oh, like, I, you know, I need to go out and I need to have a fling to, you know, to sort of get back at her wanting this. And and then even at a certain point, the movie flirts as being, like, a conspiracy thriller. Yeah. Like, it, it really does a good job at sort of, like, throwing out certain ideas that are conventional and presenting them in the most unconventional of ways or having the most unconventional of like reveals um because like when it does eventually lead down the rabbit hole to the big kind of centerpiece of the movie which is the orgy yeah that shit is freaky yeah 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 yeah. like the the music in it is so like unnerving like the the masks alone like it it's shot incredibly like the whole movie yeah. looks stunning but like the shots of like the various masks well, of people it, looking like, it's, it's just so good. like it's just like him walking into this space knowing he's not supposed to be there uh-huh. with one password fidelio uh-huh. and believing that's all that he needs yeah. it is such an insane amount of confidence number one but also yeah. just goes to show 
how fucked up his character is at that moment in time. Like, yeah. his brain's just not working enough to, like, yeah. think that this is dangerous. Yeah. He's even presented multiple times with this woman telling him that he's in danger and he needs to leave. Yeah. And yet he's so, like, invested in walking through this party to see these yeah. sexual deeds taking place that, like, yeah. he can't leave. Yep. Yeah, like, just... Well, yeah, because it's this, like, down the rabbit hole of, of you know, thoughts and other temptations. I mean, like, there, there's so much of this, too, that, like, I, I will say in, in the, you know, the, I guess, reality of the film, these things happen. But, like, I think, like, you know, there's a lot of this that, you know, you could certainly kind of interpret as being very metaphorical, at least definitely in the grand scheme of what the movie's kind of representing of someone, like, sitting there battling their thoughts over what they heard their wife just say yeah you know? and and like like i think that in the reality of the film like he does all these things he, he ends up seeing and witnessing but the way like yeah sexuality is thrown around in this movie because even down to like when he's walking down the street and these like two like this group of like punk kids like just like throw him against a car keep calling him a, like you know like the f word like yeah like, like just them bombarding him with that like it's still like an insult to like his masculinity or an insult to like yeah like like just you know the way they're kind of trying to portray him where he's sitting here thinking about sex i mean like this movie is entirely about sex yeah but like um, it's not it, it's not like it's not trying to be erotic yeah it, it's you not know. it's not like how when you watch like a horror film that's like uh, like gore porn or uh -huh, something like yeah. that right it, it's not like that. It's very much just like, here's a woman's body, but that is all that it is. Like, Yeah, th this isn't know, wild things. Like, uh, maybe the maybe the orgy sequence, you could say, but, like, that is showing primal desire as it's, like, whole. Yeah, yeah. It's showing it in, like, in a way that is so, like, detached. I mean, you literally can't see yeah. their faces. Yeah. You know, like, 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 the element of it is just, like, yeah, like you said, almost, like, primal. Like, it's just, like, animalistic in terms of, like, there's no... There's no, like, emotion tied to it at all. Um, and uh, I, I think the direction it goes with sort of the, almost the conspiracy thriller element is really well done. It really does have great tension. Yeah, after he gets kicked out of the party, like... And that scene, too, is so unnerving. Where uh, it's like, you know, like, take off your clothes, you know, like... like just, take off your mask, and now you're sitting here with all these other people staring at you like you're uh -huh. the worst person on the planet. Yeah. And then this girl says that she will... Or take the him. punishment for yeah. you, basically, and you're just like, "Well, what the fuck is that?" And then yeah. you, you're you're left with Tom Cruise, you know, Bill trying to discover, like, did I just get this girl killed? Like, what yeah. exactly did I get myself involved with? Yeah. And then you're you're diving deeper into that, uh -huh. and it's like, that's I feel like that's really where like the the entire like erotic portions of the film like start hitting me the most. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it does kind of it turns into a bit of a thriller at that yeah. point. Like, like before that, it's this dreamy like walk down just temptation alley, essentially. Like just as you're watching him, one thing after another, everything's being presented to him. I, I, I think it's it's so well done in terms of how the movie flows. It doesn't drag for me. Like yeah, because like, it's it's two hours and forty minutes. It's nearly three hours long. Dude, I I watched Home Alone after this, and Home Alone felt like the hardest movie to get through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's really funny because like yeah, to me like it's not like it's briskly paced, but 
it's deliberate and you're constantly being shown new things or there's new just predicaments that open up it, it, like the conversations are fascinating and it, it just it always moves along um which uh makes it go by pretty quickly like it never feels like a nearly three-hour movie to me yeah um, it, it is always presenting new information and like the mystery is always in the back of your mind yeah like, i mean like i should say after that orgy sequence yeah you're you're basically like what the fuck is happening here yeah and then i will say too that i'm 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 invested in this journey he's on yeah right? like just in general like this weird sort of like down the rabbit hole all the different altercations he finds himself in even the conversation with the pianist yeah um, it's great and uh that that actor todd field uh he uh he's the director of tar that just came out recently oh really yeah yeah so he uh started as an actor and then like he's made like three movies and they're all phenomenal <laughs> like they're all damn good damn but, yeah yeah he uh he's great um but, like i like him in this movie and uh and this was like my introduction to him i'm like 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 oh yeah i like that guy like who is he and then i found out like oh he made the like in the bedroom and little children and like watched both of those I'm like those are great like like fucking love little children people love tar right now and tar is awesome yeah like, I need tar to, I need is to see awesome that. yeah and then yeah little children i think is a masterpiece you gotta emphasize when i say <laughs> love little children <laughs> i'm talking about the movie from 2006 um but yeah yeah i like think that the character actions are really good the journey he's on um gotta get into the atmosphere because like you know people talk about eyes wide shut as a christmas movie yeah but this has the most like christmasy atmosphere there are so many christmas lights there's like christmas lights in like yeah, every yeah, scene yeah. of this movie um you know if it wasn't like you know if this movie didn't have the sort of reputation that it has which I want to get into as well, but like, you know, when people talk about unconventional Christmas movies, it's like, oh, I'd instantly raise my hand for like Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, like, this definitely fits the bill. Yeah, because like, I adore this movie. I think it does a great job with like the Christmas setting kind of, again, kind of fostering this atmosphere in juxtaposition of like, it's a time for like families, you know, in a time of like bonding and you have just, you know, this guy who's alone. This kind of, like, cut and the separation almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have this sort of family veneer and this, you know, this kind of warm, inviting presence as we're dealing with something that is, like, especially as it goes into, like, the orgy, like, starts to get really cold and, mm -hmm. you know, and everything. Like, I just think, like, the way it juxtaposes itself i think the atmosphere is so brilliant in this and it like helps with all the colors and everything that are in the movie i did i did want to like mention briefly just something like i guess funny that, yeah. I, that i thought could like kept happening the only part that would take me out of this movie even mm -hmm. slightly which yeah. I, I wouldn't say take me out but like more so just always made me laugh yeah is how much tom cruise would use his like his doctor's license yes as hilarious. like a get out of jail free card it's or so like funny. an entrance to anything yeah he's like oh no 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 I'm i a am a doctor look at my doctor's license yeah it, it, it's like I, I think it's great yeah, yeah it's yeah, so yeah. funny no, i'm glad you took note of that because yeah like he, he brings it up so often and, and it's like just his excuse to get away with anything and uh and it often it works. works like every time almost yeah yeah so like no I, I thought that was really funny how often he he did that as well um 
Yeah, like, to talk about this movie's reputation a little bit, um, I, I think, because, like, I know that, like, you saw that, like, sort of for a Kubrick movie, it's sort of mixed. Mixed-reviewed, yeah. Mixed-reviewed. Um, but it also was definitely, like, when you bring up Eyes Wide Shut to, like, a, a person you know, typically, too, I feel like most of the people that are most familiar with Eyes Wide Shut are probably people that are... 40 plus years yeah, old, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like that you know, were around when they saw it come out in theaters. Um, it's sort of infamous where I feel like the mindset is like, you know, I think about like my parents and how they think about like Eyes Wide Shut and, and like, it's sort of like, oh yeah, it's the, the movie with the big orgy and like all the sex in it and, you know, like, like just, it's kind of weird, but like, it... It comes back to like that person who called out that it was marketed wrong and then I also feel like just this is a movie that like it's amazing that like movies like this were made because like we don't get them now you know like, like talk about like the way people view it where like they see it as like oh yeah that's like a scandalous movie yeah like no it's a mature film like, like it's, it's a movie that, that is mature and it's dealing with mature themes um but, like, it was marketed in a strange way that was trying to make it seem like this super erotic film. And it's not really at its core. Has a, like has a lot of sex in it, but it is not sexy. Yeah. You know? Like, like, like that's kind of the way I feel about it. And, yeah, I, I just think it's interesting because, like, it had a $65 million budget. And... I had did like an inflation calculator to adjust it for inflation. Like so, back in '99, compared to like if it were made, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. If it came out now, that is 116 million dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, like a a very hard R. Or if you watch the director's cut, an NC-17 movie that was made with a huge budget. With, yeah, that was you know with so, the biggest stars in Hollywood, the biggest Hollywood couple at the time. And it, yeah, $116 million, you know, like, just, like, this mega budget, like, it's just, it's, it's wild to me, because, yeah, like, now, like, a movie like Eyes Wide Shut would, would be made, you know, $3 million, you know, like, it'd be yeah. made on, like, a penny budget, and, and that's, I think, the thing that I come back to a little bit is that this today would premiere in the art house circuit for sure play in an art house theater in our local art house theater they are playing it like next weekend okay. as an unconventional christmas movie um but i call this out because like this played in like your cinemarks at the time you know like, like this wasn't like this wasn't an art house movie this had a hundred, you know, like this had a sixty-five million dollar budget. Like that's the thing that's just so baffling to me is like the fact that this movie exists in a way. Like the budget of this, like this was like playing right next door to like you know just you know Jurassic Park. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's wild. I I just think it's so interesting because yeah, it d definitely just didn't find its right audience i don't think no at the it, time when it, it came out it feels like at least from the reviews that i was seeing it's like very easy for people to take this movie at face value yeah rather than like diving into it whatsoever or trying to like yeah relate it to their own life in a way or their own thoughts with like mm -hmm. 
relationships in the past or, or anything of that sort. It's just like, oh, this is the movie with sexy women, and that's yeah. all this has to it. But like, like you said, it does feel like you're going down the rabbit hole in a sense yeah. to like sexual desires mm-hmm. and what it means to be in a relationship. Yeah, and like, just like family as a whole, like keeping your restraint mm-hmm. on on certain things. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I really do think that like. We even create like pose like erotic almost situations, but it's never presenting it in a way that's supposed to be like a turn on. It, you know, I, I I don't feel that way. Maybe like with exception of like showing like Nicole Kidman's ass like as like your the yeah. first shot of the movie, you know. But like even then though, it's still it's dealing with sexual desires. It, it it's a film about that. Um, it's not necessarily a film that's trying to fulfill sexual desires. It's supposed to kind of open a discussion about it and even seeing how like you know I think this movie has one of the best like final lines of dialogue ever oh dude like like that Nicole Kidman line was so good it's great you know just like there, there's one thing we can do and we need to do it as soon as possible fuck cut yeah, to, and cut, cut to credits yeah great and, like it's great uh, but like I think it just it's dealing with yeah like the the nature of sexuality and how like them the being hit with temptation and these thoughts and their feelings and even sort of the solution that's come up that whether or not it even actually fixes things for them, it's still like it comes back around to just that like they need to have sex. Well, that's, that's why know? she wasn't There's a bunch willing, of tension. You she know? wasn't willing to give into like a... He basically was like, you know, we can be together forever. And she's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to mention the word forever. I don't want to think yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, let's not... It's, and it's like, that. it's like her character as a whole at one point did love Tom Cruise. Yeah. Right? And it's not like she chose to fall in love or, mm-hmm. or to think of this naval officer in that way. Yeah. It's just something about him did something to her. Yeah. And she was willing to risk it all for him. And like, is that really enough to be considered cheating uh-huh. as much as what Tom Cruise did? Uh, yeah. Tom Cruise goes down this path is constantly flirting with infidelity and then by the end, the solution is, we got to break this fucking tension. Yeah. You know, like, like that's what the solution is that, that comes up. And, and, you know, the extension of, like, you know, whether or not their their marriage survives. Who the hell knows? Who cares, but, but, yeah. Yeah, like, like, really, the whole point is, is that, like, this is a movie about simmering tension and, and just disgruntled feelings. Like, like I think it's so well handled. Um, yeah, I just love the hell out of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, like, the the... Only real elements of this movie that you get with, like, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise are really, like, the first, like, 30 minutes. Yeah, they and, only have a couple scenes And, together, like, that and... fight scene was enough to set up the entire movie. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously you get the, the ending with Nicole Kidman where she's in, like, a, a decent amount of scenes. But, like, yeah. their acting together is pretty limited Like, very early on the movie. and, like... Very end of the movie. So like that that scene where they're smoking weed and they mm-hmm. get into that argument and they yeah. present all of the opinions of Nicole Kidman and all the opinions of Tom Cruise, like that yeah. had to carry the weight of a lot of like yeah. the ideas that are within this film. Yeah. And I feel like that did that better than most movies I watched. Mm-hmm. Just giving oh, me yeah. an actual premise. Because without that scene, I don't think I would have liked this movie as much. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I mean that scene is the catalyst. Like, yeah, you know, like it's, that. It's the thing that kickstarts really the movie, and uh, you know, because like you sort of get early on, you get a sense of like sort of the the rocky things, yeah. and probably like that temptation and sort of even 
other like desires of, of wanting to see other people are kind of presented right away at the party. Um, you know, like the party kind of throws that at you right at the, at the start, but it's the argument that really sets like, you know, Tom Cruise yeah. in motion to, to go on this, this night walk. Um, and, uh, that scene has to be good. Like, like, like that scene has to has to have me thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like she's asking him whether or not him touching a woman's breasts at his work, yeah, is considered sexual or not. You know what I mean? It's like things that he's not thinking about in a day to day. He's just like you know these are platonic things. Like yeah. I'm doing this for my job, and, and those things are showcased early on too. Where I think like the movie is also trying to have you question it and like. And even sort of in a way, kind of introspectively, like, you know, it's like a male, like, thinking about, like, a straight male, you know, thinking about this, where, like, because you are seeing, there's lots of naked women that show up in this movie. Yeah. But, like, when you see them in these various scenes, like, are you aroused? Like, are you aroused when you see this woman naked yeah, and yeah, OD'd yeah. in a chair? Like, no, because that'd be weird yeah yeah you know but like that's the thing though it's that like it, it's that's part of like their argument you know like like oh aren't you like you know like like just turned on and thinking about sex when you're like like filling up this woman at work it's like well like no like 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 even in the orgy scene it's like well like you're concerned about her safety in this moment you're thinking like is she gonna get hurt yeah what is ha- you know like what is happening here you're not, like not really even like s- supposed to be sitting there thinking about how naked she is right now i mean they're also like saying something as well it's like similar to what like nicole kim was saying at the beginning of the movie like mm-hmm. about men and women's desires and how like yeah men are viewing are allowed to view women in a certain mm-hmm. way and and women are not allowed to have the same sort of desires and that's kind of yeah that that kind of works in the way that the orgy is presented with these women that are like completely naked, mm-hmm. and you're not really seeing any men walking around with their dicks out like nope. that. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're fucking the women later on, but yeah. like the only women that are used as it's only women being used as objects. Yeah, like their bodies are the ones that are being flaunted, not the, not the yeah. men's bodies. Yeah. Um. Like I, I got to call out with this movie as we kind of get into that scene and how it sort of spirals into this thriller. I love the conclusion. I love the the, the reveals and in, in sort of when, when like the guy that he's like this rich dude's doctor who yeah. calls him in and he's like, "Hey, I need to talk to you about something." And he's like, "I was there." That whole conversation, I think, is fantastic, and, and I think that's where again, like, the movie does such a good job of like subverting sort of what the typical answers would mm-hmm. be in this kind of movie. And I think, like, sure, you could say like. You know, maybe it's open to whether or not you want to believe what he's saying. but For sure open to interpretation, but I felt like he was, like, not bullshitting. I, I believed him, yeah. yeah. Like, 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 when I watch the movie, I, I feel like it is that, like, just... No, these are very wealthy people. They don't want to get, you know, exploited. They don't want people to know about what they're up to. Their weird affair shit, you know, their, their weird kinky orgy. And that, like, you know they told this prostitute to like go up to that guy and you know and make something up about like yeah, you know, being yeah, yeah. in danger so like he can get the hell out of here um cuz like we don't want we don't want to be outed <laughs> you know we want people to know that we're doing this um like i bought it like i i felt like it, it was such a like i don't know like, cuz i think the usual expectation is that it's something incredibly sinister and it's presented as something incredibly sinister and like you don't blame tom cruise for feeling like really freaked out by it 
But then, like, you know, the, the reveal of that, like, yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. But, like, that woman, like, nothing worse happened to her than what happened, you know, before he got there. Yeah, that's that's almost why, like, I, I feel like the, like, one of the opening scenes with, like, Tom Cruise going to save the... Like the woman that's uh-huh. like dying of an OD. Yeah. Without that scene, this scene is harder to believe. Yeah. But with that scene added additionally, I'm like, I have more of a reason to believe that you're not bullshitting me. That yeah. she just OD'd I mean, because she, she OD'd. She OD'd, yeah. Because it's like, you were presented right off the bat that she was ODing before. Yeah. That. She was taking too much yeah. of stuff right off the bat. So, like, when you hear it, it's like, it's, it was the same woman. And, you know, and like she. You know, she went home and then took up some, you know, took some more drugs and took too much. Like, we've already seen her do it, so it didn't come across like, yeah, like, like you know, it seems like oh, it's, it wasn't far fetched. Yeah, yeah, because like, if you didn't have that scene beforehand, yeah, you would be leaning towards like, oh, I still don't believe you. You know, like this still feels like, like you did it. But there's also like enough to be said about like how he's being treated, at least as he's uh-huh. trying to search and and figure out what's going on. It's like. He goes back to the place. Mm-hmm. You get those beautiful cords. Like I, I love yeah. the cords as he's walking up to the the gate. Yeah, car pulls up as you know so sees him on camera. Yeah, uh, that that scene. I love that scene, man. And then he just is presented with an envelope, and the envelope says, "This is your second warning." Yeah, stop looking into this. Uh huh. And it's like you know, they're not really doing much. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they're they're very much kind of. Yeah, presenting him. Hey, we're giving you an out, but like, like they're just even trying then, to spook him. even then, I don't think that there's an anything that's gonna happen to him. Really, it's no. Just, you know? Well, and that was like the thing with like that final conversation where it's like, no, like you, you walked into something you shouldn't have, but it wasn't dangerous. Yeah, you know, like, like, like these people really just they don't want you to know who they are because they're very powerful people, but like they're just doing some weird rich people shit yeah <laughs> you know and it's just like just some like illuminati sex club yeah yeah, yeah it's like just stay out of it you know they, they don't want you know to have their reputations messed with you know they, they could you know and at that point maybe they would fuck you up if like you know if, if you like reveal that it was like some of the most powerful people in the world that are there but like it's just a kinky orgy you know and that that was it you know and they they just wanted him to leave him alone, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was, like, such an effectively well-done kind of reveal is that, like, is given to you, and it's like, okay. Um, and, he, you know, he comes home with the mask is on the Yeah, it was on the fantastic. Pillow. Yeah, it's great. You know, him just like, okay, yeah, like... I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you everything. This, this broke me. And, like, it's... It's great. I think this is a brilliant movie. I-, I could see why Stanley Kubrick would like tout it as his like his masterpiece. It, it's so interesting to me, like watching this because like I don't hear a lot about this movie. No, like I don't hear much. Like we've always talked about how it, it was marketed kind of weird and and just like the reviews on it are pretty low. But it's like for a movie for like being Stanley Kubrick's last film, mm-hmm. you would imagine that this would be. Um, a higher rated film or like a, a film that's talked about much more than it actually is. It's just such a bold and way more like, like inaccessible movie than some of his other films. Yeah. Cause like the shining his movie, his work is artistically done. Like he's, he was a perfectionist. So he always made like really high quality stuff, but like 
2001 showed off amazing visual effects and was a space epic. The Shining was a horror epic. Full Metal Jacket, you know, like this, yeah. this big war movie, it, you know, like, like just had more of a an accessibility to it. Well, this one is a a surrealist film about sexual desire. Like, you know, like, yeah. just like it's it's really out there. Like, you know, it's such an interesting final film. But that's why it's so odd to me. It's like, you know, like one of the biggest directors mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. You would think that his final film would be somewhat touted, like high, higher than it is, even if it had some like divisive views between whether or not people liked it or loved it. Because like, at least for me watching it for the first time, yeah, I thought it was great. I think it was like, yeah. like it, at least from all of the ones that I've seen, I I liked it more. Like I don't know if I can say I liked it more than The Shining, but like yeah. I I was into it the entire time. Yeah, like. No, the fact that, like I'm a huge horror fan and I like this more than The Shining. Yeah, it's... I, I, and I, I love The Shining. The Shining is a masterpiece as well. But like, I, I adore this movie. And uh, yeah, I, I think it is just that like, you talk to anyone who was around when this movie was like out in theaters, and it's just oh that weird movie with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman with a lot of sex, because like it's just it's not it's the kind of thing that would like should play at an art mm-hmm. house theater that somehow had like a really big budget. <laughs> And played, you know, in your local to major audiences. Yeah, maybe major audiences just didn't get it. Yeah, you know, like like you got like the the Iron Giant playing next door to you. Just like 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 you have this. But even then, I would imagine that this would become like more of a cult classic of the sorts. And I don't, I don't even hear about it to that degree. It's like I don't. Yeah, I think like the people that love this movie really love it. Okay. Um, Like, like, because I do think it does kind of have a bit of a cult following, but. Yeah, for whatever reason, I think it's just, it's not the, it's not the most talked about Kubrick movie by any means. Yeah. And I think it just has a lot to do with it. It doesn't have the same sort of... Mass appeal. And even genre appeal. Yeah. Full Metal Jacket is a war movie. Um, even, you know, he's made a handful of war movies, you know, the, you know, how I, like, learned to... Like, like, Love the Bomb. I'm trying to remember what the name of that is because it's a long title. I can't think of it. Uh, yeah, but, like, he uh, he's made a lot of war movies. 2001 is a sci-fi. Shining is horror. Like, just... Even A Clockwork Orange is... It's definitely on the weirder side, but it's still dystopian science fiction to a certain degree. There's still sort of a genre that you can put it in. While Eyes Wide Shut is really surrealist... And out there, so I think it just yeah, it just doesn't have the same like mass appeal, um, and so it doesn't pull a lot of people in because even you know the the term like and it and it can be kind of an annoying term, but like the term like even like film bro, yeah, you know when they talk about Kubrick and stuff, always white shot still doesn't come up in those circles either because it's just well, it's not sexual in the way that they would want it no, to be no. it to fit in that yeah, and and it's also not like. Yeah, it's not as traditionally flashy as something like a 2001. Yeah. Like, I think visually this movie's gorgeous, but yeah, it's just, it's a movie that, it's a mature film made for adults, made to be contemplated and talked about. But like with that though, you need to know the right audience and like yeah, general audiences, this is not for them. It just isn't. Um, but yet it was marketed to general, to general audiences. audiences. 
You know, it's like, oh yeah, check out this like kinky new movie with like the hottest married couple in the business right now. Look at this scene: Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise fuck on screen. Yeah, like aren't aren't you aren't you excited? And then they're given this movie that's like this weird dreamlike journey as Tom Cruise's. Yeah, you know. so much happens so quickly too. Like with the the journey for Tom Cruise, like so oh, yeah. much. Happens a lot so happens. Fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I feel like I've said... Yeah, I've said a lot. Yeah. All I need to say, but love this movie. What's your rating? I'm what giving you? it a 9 out of 10. Okay. Yeah, uh, 10. 10 out of 10 for me. I uh, I figured it would be. Yeah, I love this movie. I, I, I'm so happy that like it's a 9 for you. Though, yeah. Because right? like, I know that you were kind of hesitant, or at least like not hesitant, but like just that you were kind of skeptical on where you'd land on it, just given the sort of mixed re- reaction that people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it is because it's not the most traditionally accessible Kubrick film by any means. And and I think there's certainly an expectation of what this movie should have been or would have been based on sort of like the stars and its subject matter. And it's something that's a lot more contemplative and weird than... Very like, weird. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I think a lot of people were ready for something that was more straightforward more like a like a wild thing something that's like sleazy you know like and, and, and like there's a spot for movies like that but like this isn't that and like there's a reason why like this movie is like almost three hours long you know like it's it's a very it's a very cool movie. it's a very cool conversation piece yeah and like the dialogue for this film is what it's great. really really yeah. makes it stand out from the rest oh yeah exactly so yeah I it, 10 out of 10 I love this movie it's uh yeah, a Christmas favorite of mine. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> you got the you got the Die Hard, the Die Hard. Uh, yeah, Christmas stylings. You got Die Hard, and you got you got Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, you know those are the, the unconventional Christmas classics. Uh, I feel like no one will agree with me, but no, one hundred percent people are going for Die Hard every time, man. Yeah, but like, yeah, technically, if you put the two in front of me, I would I'd be picking Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> That'd be the the one I'd go to. <laughs> um, I, I just yeah, I love this movie. Um, but with that, you, you ready for next episode recommendation? Yeah, we're gonna throw yeah. Out your recommendation. So we're uh, we're going with the theme blood. Okay. So we're gonna be watching Blood Diamond with okay. uh, There Will Be Blood. Nice. Okay. So another PTA. Yeah, I wanna I wanna knock some of them off Trying the to list. Cross so. some PTA off the list. All right. I mean, I feel like you'll know. You already know. <laughs> you already know what my rating is on There Will Be Blood. Um, yeah. But I haven't seen Blood Diamond in a couple of years. Um, so that'll be an interesting one to revisit. Um, have you seen that one? Seen yeah, I've seen that okay. one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to revisit that one, but yeah. All right. If you don't want to be spoiled for there will be blood or blood diamond, make sure to watch them before the next episode and we will see you all then. Bye. Bye.